hope you're hungry because you're listening to Everybody Eats. So I feel like whenever people want to say like, oh, I want to get involved in positive, I want to do it when I'm older, when I'm more mature. Like now is the time to do it just like Khalil is. Like if not now, then when, right? Mm-hmm. And even if, even if you don't win, it's not a, like, it's not an elf forever. It's just an experience where you learn. So the yeah. next time, right? You know what to do. You know who to target. You know who to speak to. So that way you increase your chances of getting into office. So it's not a pipe dream. It's not an old person dream. It's just the right person's dream. So mm-hmm. if you want it, you can go, get it, go out and get it. Welcome back. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Everybody Eats podcast. It's your host, Benson Belazare, co-host Edom XP on the line. And we have a great episode today with a great guest, Miss Carmine Kalut, a.k.a. the future president of the United States. So thank you, Carmine, for showing up on today's episode. Another QC alum. You know, we love our QC alum out here. Um, I was, call me, when did we meet? I think I met you maybe like I was a sophomore or junior. You were probably like handing out flyers or something like that. But, um, I was blessed enough to be in student, um, association while Carmine was the president of student association, um, or the student government, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I know Carmine, she does a million and a half things and she's really talented. So, um, just glad. Thank you. Glad that you're on the episode. I want to thank you for coming on today's episode. For all our viewers, make sure that you follow us on all our platforms. You're following us on our Instagram. Um, our YouTube channel is now up. That's, so that's Everybody Eats. So follow our YouTube page, Instagram, at Everybody underscore Eats Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there. Uh, make sure that you like, subscribe, and leave a review. Um, and most importantly, subscribe and share with your friends so you don't miss an episode of the Everybody Eats podcast. So now let's go into today's episode. So, Miss Carmine, would you mind introducing yourself and talking about yourself for a little bit? No problem at all. Um, thank you very much for um, for Bensky and Edom having me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I'm a avid supporter of both your initiatives. I think it's amazing to see like two young men like um, from different areas like corresponding and and able. To kind of like bring people together and like while sharing knowledge also so i really appreciate um your time and your patience also with me um my name oh, is no me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we met at queen's college prior to being the student association president at queen's college i was the campus outreach coordinator for a nonprofit or an organization called surreal which was the center for ethnic racial and religious understanding on campus at queen's college and basically it was a um organization that stemmed around the idea of like dialogue with different people from different races, different class systems, in addition to different um, ethnic and also cultural beliefs also. So that's how I got the opportunity to kind of meet um, Naba and also to meet um, Edom and also to meet Bensky also. So it's been a privilege since then, since my sophomore or junior year at undergrad. Got you, got you. So um, what I know... Like you said, I know you've been involved. You you were you're part of uh you're part of Seek, you're part of Saru, you're part of all these clubs. So what was it that like why did you why were you so involved? Was it is it just something you like to do? Was it, you know, like what what made you, you know, join all these clubs and give back so much? Um, I feel like um since I was a young child or since I was growing up in New York City, I feel like what led me to be the person that I am today is that someone always gave to me. 
for example, um, I came to this country when I was five years old, and at the age of five years old, I was placed in an ESL class, and my um, teacher oh, like, taught me how to speak, right? So she wait, gets- wait, you were, born, you were born in Haiti? Yes, I was born in Haiti. For real? Yeah, for real. Oh, <laughs> I did not, not know that. Everyone thinks that. They think that, like, some people think I'm Jamaican, but that's another story, and no story Oh, time. snap. I know you were born in Haiti. Shout out to all my Haitians. Obviously, you know I'm Haitian over here. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Haiti, and I immigrated here at the age of five, and um, it was through ESL. My ESL teacher, she was a Haitian woman, and okay. she taught me, like, she gifted me the, the opportunity to, like, speak, right? And ever since she ta- kind of taught me how to speak, I never wanted to stop speaking. Mm. So I always wanted to speak for those who'd never had a voice. I always wanted to speak for those who I thought were in the same position as me. Um, it, embarrassingly enough, for example, it wasn't until I was like, in Saru or as a sophomore that I, de- I identified as Caribbean American in comparison to African American. So, for example, whenever um, I was growing up and I grew up in a predominantly like um, African American neighborhood, I grew up with... Um, the traditional um, African American population, so I like I related to their struggles. I related to their um, their struggles in society, their struggles in the public school system, in addition to their struggles in um, their life at work, um, their social life. So I feel like having that background or being mistaken as an African American, it kind of like made me want to be, like, the voice for a population that was so marginalized in society. And um, while growing up, I learned about slavery. I learned about um, marginalization. I learned about, like, the, um, the out-group or versus the in-group. So as I, I, as I grew up in that population or as I grew up in the public school system, I learned about, like, the inequalities that our um, people of color face in the world. And I wanted to be somebody that kind of spoke against that inequality. So it kind of um, shaped my voice, and it kind of shaped the it kind of shaped my being, kind of shaped the person that I am today. So I accredit everything that I am today to my experiences learning English, to my experiences um, in elementary school, middle school, and also high school. So um, it's all I give my life to my community because my community was the reason as to is the reason as to why um, I am the person that I am today. For sure, for sure. Wow, that's that's definitely really powerful, and I didn't I didn't know um, that that backstory. So that really you know makes sense of and seeing all the initiatives that you were part of in school. So um, so I want to ask now. So let's transition um, to our first segment. I know right now you're really um, from what I've seen that you you're involved in politics. I know that um, I've seen you helping campaign for um, you know some local politicians and things like that. So what um, I guess what led you to getting involved in politics and helping out, um, you know, like campaigning and things like that? Um, what led me to being um, involved in politics was an internship. So okay. It kind of gave me the access to politics in a way. Um, I always knew that I wanted to be a political science major, but I never knew where political science would take me. And I think that's pretty um, relevant to like a lot of like millennials or a lot of like Generation Z members. Like, we know what we want to do, we know what we want to study, but we don't know where it's going to take us eventually, and we don't know the steps that we have to take in order to get where we want to be. Mm. But um, I kind of knew I was going to be a political science major. So um, when I was a sophomore, I, like, signed up for an internship class, and then the closest representative to me was, like, um, a center's office. And it was, like, in the center's office, I learned about, like, community work, I learned about, like, state cohesion, 
And through that, I kind of fell in love with the idea. I fell in more in love with the idea of like helping the community, engaging the community, and kind of being a bridge between different agencies. So um, my role as a intern in the center's office kind of led me to my participation in various elections. And first I started off, at first I started off as a deputy campaign, campaign field organizer for a local city council member. And what then, that as, so for example, right? So whenever you're planning a, a election, right? You need to make sure that people are knocking doors for you. You need to make sure that you have an adequate amount of volunteers. And lastly, you need to also make sure that you have an adequate Ad, adequate amount of um, phone bankers, so people making phone calls for you, right? So okay. basically, my job as a deputy field organizer was to make sure that um, someone or about like 10 people every day, um, morning through the night, like from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., were knocking on your doors to make sure that you knew that an election was coming, to know that about the candidate, to know about what the candidate has done in the community, what the candidate plans on doing in the community, too. So as a deputy campaign field organizer, your role is to make sure that the community knows that, number one, there's an election coming. Number two, this is the candidate. Number three, this is what the candidate has done. And number four, this is what the candidate will do for you and will do for our community. So I'm assuming you definitely use those skills while you were part of student government at Queens College. Because I did notice that you, well, from what I noticed, you you seem to have be very organized. And one, when, the, when we were running the campaigns and while you were present. So I'm assuming that those things definitely correlated. I think it did. I feel like um, work, like my work in student government was more of a was more of a practice run. For example, while working on like um, on state on the state level and also the city level, working on different campaigns, I learned how to target um, different populations. So I kind of used the skills that I had working on campaigns outside of schools to kind of work on campaigns inside of school, which is like number one, knowing your target audience. Number two, knowing who's likely to vote for you. Number three, like knowing who's unlikely to vote for you. And also number four, like knowing what the school needs and knowing what the population needs. So that way you can kind of best serve them and you can kind of get their attention, right? So yeah. in a way to get people's attention to find out like what they're struggling with. When you're able to find out what someone is struggling with, you're able to best help them and you're better, better, you're better able to best like um, respond, to them, respond to them, but also like relate to them. And yeah. when you do relationship with them you're kind of seen more as a human more than a politician and mm. when you're seen as a human and you seem you seem relatable it makes people trust you so like by using what i learned um outside of school like working on various campaigns on the city and state level i was able to kind of like see how that would play on a smaller scale on a campus level and um i'm happy that i had an amazing group of like diverse individuals who are able to make my dream come true or able to make like the, the college's campaign or the college's um, dream come true in a way through their own diversity and also like through their own participation in the electoral process. Definitely. Wow. That's definitely, yeah, that's, that's definitely amazing. So what would you say are your, so current, are you still currently working um, as a deputy campaign officer? Is that, sorry, is that was the title? No, it's okay. Um, I was a deputy field organizer. Deputy um, and field then organizer. I was okay. a, just a field organizer, which is like a step up from deputy. Okay. Um, and for example, when it comes like if anyone's interested in working on elections, right? Elections are seasonal. So um, what a, a lot of people who are involved in, um, in politics do is that they work on different, um, they work in different offices. However, during the seasonal periods, they like, they try to help out on campaigns. 
So elections are always seasonal, while, whereas you always have, like, your main job that kind of, like, helps you survive or helps you, like, pay rent, pay yeah. car insurance. So, yeah. So elections are always seasonal. So is that something? I have, oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just had a question in terms of, like, you know, we had Khalil on the podcast uh, a couple weeks back. Yeah. So mm-hmm. your your position with that, that would go hand in hand with him running? Like, would it, would you be able to help him while he's running or he has to be in office first or? No. So as a campaign field organizer, your job is to help them get into office, right? So you're here to help them target certain audiences certain neighborhoods, certain districts. So that way, whenever they're out, whenever you have volunteers or paid workers like canvassing, phone banking, or even flyering, you're able to hit specific locations where you know that the candidate has a likely chance of being elected in. In addition, you're also trying to target those who are undecided, right? So you know who, you know those, you already know who's leaning towards you. You already know who are your strong supporters, right? But you're trying to target the ones who are undecided because then you have a 50-50 chance of getting their vote and getting their support. So when it comes to like campaign, um, campaigning overall, it's like the pre-step for them to getting into office. And your role is to make sure that you're able to understand the audience that they need to target. In addition, you also have three phases, right? Yeah. For example, like now Khalil is in the introductory, introductory stage, right? Whereas right now he should be campaigning for people to know who he is, what his platform is, and what he wants to do for the community. So when you're a campaign field organizer, your job is to make sure that you're introducing yourself several times, but in different methods, right? So your first method is, hey, there's an election coming up. My name is, my name is um, Khalil Anderson, and I'm running for assembly, and these are my positions. Your second phase is, hey, we've spoken before, but I just want to um, remind you of what my positions are. This is what I'm running for, and don't forget the election is coming up on November, da 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 And then your last phase is, hey, um... We know you haven't made a decision yet, and we know you're leaning towards it. We just wanted to remind you that um, the election is coming up in about a week or so. So in those three phases, you're trying to kind of shape the narrative. You're kind of trying to shape the, the script to make sure that you're, um, you're targeting the same people in different ways. Number one, you're reminding them that there's an election coming up. Number two, you're reminding them about who you are, what you represent, what you want to do. And the last one, number three, you're reminding them again of there's an election coming up, so to come out and vote in addition to who you are, what you represent, and what you want to do for the community. Okay. So how would you go about that? Um, I don't know if you get coached into it, um, but how would you go about that without sounding annoying, I'd say, for the most part? Because I know when election season comes, you get a lot of phone calls. um, You know, your occasional knock on the door, like you said. So is most Mm -hmm. of that face-to-face, over the phone, at, like, a rally, or... So. Um, I think that there's no way to not be annoying about it. For example, remember when we were, like, um, petitioning or, like, um, election week, right? How did people kind of receive it? Were they annoyed or were they happy? Everyone was annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was <laughs> Everyone like, was like, <laughs> like, imagine that on a more, like, um, on, a, on, a, on a hyper level. For example, right? I've knocked on your door one time and I'm coming back three times to knock on your door. So after like the first time, I'm like, okay, hey sis, you've knocked on my door once. You already have my vote. Please keep it pushing. So uh, <laughs> a lot of our constituents or a lot of people that we're targeting are annoyed after phase one. However, um, the election or the election itself or the candidate itself doesn't really correlate or doesn't really um, doesn't really stick in their head until phase three. 
So even though it is very annoying, and they're very annoyed, trust me, they're very annoyed, it's not until, like, phase three is complete that we can kind of trust that they're like, hey, I know you're mad, but at least you know this election's coming up. I, ha- I can count on your support for this upcoming election because you've been annoyed so much that you know when the election is coming. So, um, <laughs> so like, the thing government, right? What we do is like we give students, um, we give students pins, right? And when we give students pins, it determines the idea that like if you're given a pin, we won't bother you again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes to like real elections. When it comes to like um, like outside elections. It's not the same thing. We when we give you a pin, it means that we're gonna call you back over and over again because we can trust in your support. Mm. So the pin to us means like a hey, keep trying. We need a reminder. Whereas yeah. the pin in like on Queens College or in the campus itself means that hey, you already have my vote. That's it. Got you, got you. So that's different, but. Like, I guess that's just, just part of the game. Like, you like you said, you already know going into that that people are going to be annoyed, so you just have to be prepared. Um, just knowing, like, that's just a consequence of it, but you have to have that bigger picture in mind that you're here to support the candidate, you're here to support the community, and, like, if a couple of people have to be annoyed in the process, then so be it, but it's for a bigger cause. They'll be happy when they can get the, you know, community change or reform that they're, you know, they've been, they've been seeking for, so... Um, yeah, that's I how, guess, yeah, I guess that's, that's just part of it. That's how we definitely see it. Um, if you were to ask the constituents who were called repeatedly, I think they would see it as a different way. Completely. <laughs> completely different. I've gotten, like, the worst thing that happened to me, I got, like, cursed out via, like, a phone call. Like, someone asked, like, hey, is this an automatic voice message? And we're like, oh, no, it's not. Like, well, let me hear you. Like, let me give you my two cents about what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote black and caught me off guard. So again, if you were to ask like, the people who are being called, the people who are being targeted, it will be a different response compared to like those who are working on campaigns and those who are working um in the electoral process itself. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I would imagine. I believe my brother went through something similar. Um I think he he worked in like was it Schumer's office or he worked he worked in like some senator's office uh intern there for one summer I believe and he was just telling me how people people would call up like the office and uh and just like black on the interns pretty much just like giving yeah. them their like you said giving them their my sister went through the feel. exact same thing the exact yeah. same thing yeah. every day she'd get blacked on yeah. <laughs> I feel like when it comes to like how constituent services works right now I'm a community liaison in senator's office I feel like some people just want someone to kind of like unleash your anger on and they don't care who that person is. As long as you answer the phone, you're yeah, like, okay, that's it. It's, it's and I'm going to shine. <laughs> I guess, like you said, like, like you said, that's part of the game. But I mean, if that's something you're interested in, then definitely, you know, that's just something you have to deal with. Me personally, I'm not really like, I'll stick more on the business side. You know what I mean? So getting involved. Um, obviously, like I support. I think it's definitely important. I think it's very commendable that um, you know that you're you're getting involved at um, you know at this age. You know, me personally, I know politics is in my area of expertise, but definitely it is important to get involved in that. Know who your local you know um, you know representatives are. Uh, similar to like how we had Khalil, like making sure that you're getting getting involved with the local people, knowing who's who's um, you know like running who uh, who's running. Who's looking to change things and um, you know being involved, such as Carmine and like helping uh, ha- helping campaign. So that's definitely definitely commendable. That's something that 
you know, if any listeners, if you're, you know, interested in getting involved or you're, you know, interested in getting, you know, more politically savvy, that's definitely something you, I guess you could just start on looking to work for campaigns. I'm sure all these campaigns, like, I'm sure that they could use an extra hand. You know, I'm sure they're always willing to have a, a couple extra hands, you know, help them out. So um, definitely, if you're listening to this and you're interested, make sure you get involved. Make sure you, you're aware. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm sure you can argue, just being aware of what's going on in your community and local politics. And I feel like one thing that, um, one thing that I would, like one advice I would give to college students is that you're, you are valuable, right? You have an access, like, especially if you're like a club leader, you're like in student government, you have an access, like a pool of like people, right? And numbers equal money or numbers equal power, right? So, for example, if you go to like an official's office and you have a problem and you're able to kind of show proof in numbers, or if you go to like the official's office and you're saying like, hi, I want to have this event in the community and I have about this many people backing me up from the community who want to see this event happen, it kind of like, it, it awakens your elected officials and it makes them want to like kind of hear you more because like, again, like we get elected or elected officials get elected through your voting, your participation. So as you engage with various members of the community and you're able to kind of come up with the numbers, they're able to take you more seriously, right, as an electorate. And in addition, what I also want to say is that we have, like, a lot of, like, older folks who are involved in politics, and it's great because they're a world worth of knowledge. However, we don't have enough of young people involved, right? So yeah. I would say like, if you're a young person involved and you want to kind of see a difference in your community, you don't understand how much of You don't understand, like, the asset that you provide to the whole electoral process itself, right? You're bringing in new ideas, new thinking strategies, new campaigns, new marketing strategies. You're you're introducing these people to like various like social media outlets that people your age are more geared towards, whether that's like Instagram. And it's something that they don't have access to because they're sticking within their like like sixty five and older age group. Mm. So I think if you getting in politics is like it's so easy especially as a young person because like as a young person in politics when you're the most valuable because your your connections are so huge so even though you might think that you're so small being like from age like 18 to like 25 you're the you're, you're the most powerful person in that space you're the most powerful person in that office because you have number one your youth you have number two your experience and number three you have the um you have your friendship, you have your networks that you gain in college, in the neighborhood, right? So I feel like whenever people want to say, like, oh, I want to get involved in positive, I want to do it when I'm older, when I'm more mature, like, now is the time to do it, just like Khalil is. Like, if not now, then when, right? Mm-hmm. And even if, even if you don't win, it's not a, like, it's not an elf forever. It's just an experience that you learn. So the yeah. next time you right, you know what to do, you know who to target, you know who to speak to, so that way you increase your chances of getting into office. So it's not a pipe dream. It's not an old person dream. It's just the right person's dream. So mm-hmm. if you want it, you go get it. go out and get it. Preaching on the Sunday night. I love it. <laughs> vote, vote Carmine 2020. Carmine 2020. <laughs> sure, that, that's forever my president. And like I said, that's the future president of the United States. So get to know her name, Carmine Kulu. But for sure, man, I really, really appreciate that insight. So um that that's real powerful i hope i hope people listening i hope you t- took some gems especially those who are interested um in getting involved with politics she just gave some really great gems right there so uh I, I have i have one question for uh carmine for the viewers listening and uh people who are viewers and listeners um how 
does one get their voice heard, whether they actually do want to run for office or uh, or just want to help influence policy uh, besides voting, let's say. So how, how would one take the steps in, you know, fixing X, Y, and Z that's wrong in their neighborhood? Um, so for, um, I'll give a specific example. For example, um, what I've learned is that since I've seen less people who are younger involved in politics, what I've done in, um, in the center's office that I work for is create like a youth focus group. And through this youth focus, focus group, we target students who are as young as elementary students to like post-grad. And then we kind of foster intergenerational dialogue between them. So because I saw absence in like youth participation and because like um, the office that I worked at was like in total support of like the idea of like getting youth involved and getting younger people involved, I was able to create this like this group of like dynamic individuals. Like we, our youngest member is actually eight. Her name is Emma Liz, and our oldest member um, is her mom. Right, it's her mom, Miss Allison. So again, like if you see a problem, if you want to get involved, I think the first step is to make the connection. Right, is to go into the offices, is to schedule an appointment with the scheduler and be like, "Hi, my name is X, Y, and Z. I'm interested in this, that, and the third, and I want to have a meeting with the congressman, the councilman." the senator, the assemblyman, once you schedule your meeting, you have a detailed plan of what, you are, what you're trying to get in the, from the community or what you're trying to get the community access to. And then that shows that you're prepared, right? It shows you're organized and it shows that you're serious, right? Because anyone can schedule a meeting and not have anything, like not have a foolproof plan. When you have a plan going into these meetings, you're able to say like, hi, I'm a serious person from this community, a product of this community, and this is what I want to do. And um, just by, by you having a plan, it shows how serious you are, and it makes the elected officials want to support you because they know that you're someone not to mess with in the community just because of how organized you are and how seriously you take this issue. So if you're a younger person or if you're any person, doesn't matter the age, and you want to get involved, the first step, in my opinion, would be to contact the elected official and to see um, and to see where you can kind of bridge the gap or bridge the disparity that you're seeing and how you can use their help and use their funds and use their resources to kind of get your dreams um, get accomplished or what you see in your community get fixed. For sure, for sure. I believe, I think that that, that tackles the question head on, Edom. You have any follow-ups? Nah, nah. She, she answered every point and then some. So I'm <laughs> really grateful for that. For sure, for sure. But like I said, these, these are some great gems. I think this is, this is great information for those um, looking to get involved. Then again, like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crucial that you know what's going on in your community, especially if you want to make an impact, you have to just be in the know. And realistically, there's no excuse these days with technology and the news at our fingertips. There's no excuse to really not be, um, you know, knowledgeable. And if you want to get involved, there's no ex reason why you, you shouldn't um, be getting involved. Um, but I think that covers the first segment. Uh, thank you very much for going over that. So um, we'll take a quick break and then go into our word of the day. All right. Welcome back to Everybody Eats. Uh, we have here Miss Carmine Kalut. We're going to do our word of the day this week. I have the quote. It's not too hard. You guys should be able to get it, actually. But it's a it's a nice quote. Hold on, let me pull it up. All right, you guys ready? Yes. All right. Change would not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. <laughs> <laughs> 
You should see my face right now. I have no ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Carmine, you? Do you have any idea? Do I have any idea as to like who created the the uh, the word of the day? Yeah, like who's who who uh, who said that quote? Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Uh-uh. No, no. <laughs> right. I, I have I have two guesses. Can, can I answer two guesses? Yeah, two guesses. All right, so I'm thinking. Um, who said it? I'm. Th- you're gonna call me weird for this. Gandhi. Yeah, is it Gandhi? No. no. All right, all right. My second guess is MLK. Close, but no. Ooh, Ma- Malcolm. Malcolm, close. Okay, okay, Malcolm. Okay, um, James Baldwin. No. No, not James Baldwin. Uh, he's black. He's black. Uh, I think he's proud, question mark. And proud? Hello. <laughs> oh, man. Who's the South African president? Ooh. No. No. Man- All right. Nah. Yeah, I was going to say Mandela. Nah. Yeah. nah, not Mandela. Yo, where did you get this quote from, bro? It's Barack <laughs> Obama. Are you oh, serious? That's cheating. That's so unfair. That's <laughs> You couldn't say like present, like currently still here, I don't like just say like legit. Barack Obama was like at the tip of my tongue, and I was like, ah, wait, 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 and then. As I was gonna say he black proud. I was gonna say he he was a president, but I thought that was gonna be too close. Like, but you guys, you guys yeah. are tiptoeing around it. You guys are close, but I'll say it one more time: change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the mm-hmm. ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Now say it in your Obama voice. In my Obama voice? Uh, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we're waiting for. We are the change that we seek. <laughs> close. <laughs> nah, the beginning of that was good. Close, close. <laughs> but bet. So... Um, we'll go from there, and then now we'll transition into uh, our last segment. So we'll take another quick break and then transition to our last segment. <laughs> All right. So welcome back to Everybody Eats. We're um, on our last segment of the day. Um, I want to discuss this article that I saw. Uh, let me pull this up one more time. I just sent it to you guys. I don't know if you had a chance to just read up on it when I sent it to you. But essentially, the article is Pablo Escobar's brother released a foldable smartphone that he claims can only be destroyed by fire. So I just found that interesting. One, Pablo Escobar's brother. I didn't know he had siblings, but I'm not really surprised. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Narcos, but that's a really great show on Netflix. That's probably one of my top five. Um, But um, essentially, his brother was working as an accountant for the Medellin cartel. Um, he, he said Roberto Escobar is 71 is releasing a foldable phone through his investment company Escobar Inc. It's called the Escobar Fold One and it's named after his brother. Um, the CEO is his name is Olaf Gustafsson. Gustafsson says that the screen is made of a proprietary plastic that makes it quote unquote makes it almost unbreakable saying it's the most durable telephone screen on the market. Starting pr- Prices start at 350 I think it's cat. Think All it's cat. cat. <laughs> what? No. I, look, there's look, pic- look. There's pictures, bro. I think uh, it's TNN, so it shows some type of credibility. 
Exactly. Okay. All right. But like I'm saying like he's he's using a perfect marketing strategy where he's using like, his family's name, um his family's like um long withstanding reputation or um esteem or prestige to kind of like market this new idea or market this new like um phone. And I think it's like in, in a marketing perspective, it's really smart cuz he's using like the um He's using the name, like the, the Escobar name. Like, the, like when yeah. they say like no publicity is exactly. bad publicity. Like everyone, everyone knows the Escobar name, so it's like you're automatically gonna get that attention. So exactly. I think I think that's smart. Um, I would have to look more to see like is it actually a good phone? To yeah. me, like, like cause just because it's foldable doesn't mean that it's a good phone. Like it could still be trash. I agree completely. I, I completely. think the part I think is you know just chatter is the whole like burning by fire because realistically i don't think anyone in their right mind is going to drop you know 500 you know or what is it 349 so you know co- close to 400 dollars on a cell phone just so they can burn it with fire no it says and it can only be destroyed by fire destroyed by fire and realistically if you, would you drop you know 400 dollars on a cell phone just to prove them wrong i mean, just, I, I mean you, really- you drop i mean you drop more on People drop more on iPhones that break once you, you know, you drop it on the floor. So I would spend 400 on a phone that could fold. And, like, I don't plan on burning it anytime soon. The same way you don't plan on burning a, an iPhone. I think there's always that, that one population, too. And I feel like the, like the, um, the question is, right, for example, it's kind of, like, um, ironic. For example, and whenever you're, you get called for a crime, right, what do you, what's the first thing you do? If you have evidence in your hand, what do you do? You keep the evidence or do you destroy it? You drop it, right? You drop it, right? But he's honestly advertising, like, a, this is a, a phone that we're using that, like, you kind of, it's indestructible, right? So if, if you're involved in crime or if you're involved in any, like, mysterious activities, this is a phone that you, sh- you honestly shouldn't even want, ever want. Because the only way that you can dispose of it is like if it like uh, goes. Oh, if you end up burning it. Oh, I, I guess that's true. But so, I mean, if you do have a trap phone, like it'd be pretty cool to be like, "Yo, my trap phone folds." You know, I mean, that's also a pretty cool <laughs> flex. That's all. I'm, I, that's all I'm saying. Like, go to the trap house, like, "Yo, this joint bends, yo." Like, <laughs> but then boom, right next to you, know, the cops come knocking through your door, and you can't even destroy. The- <laughs> you can't smash your phone. <laughs> <laughs> are, you like, getting a, are you getting arrested be like yo but it folds though yo <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah we're, we're still taking that evidence <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's actually no nah, that's actually a good thing i mean but all right if, if the cops roll up on you and you have your phone like if you got an iphone in your hand oh i guess you could just like try and stomp on it or something like that like real quick if you if you're in a rush yeah, I, think I guess. Yeah, you can try and like yeah. try and break it in that like couple seconds when they bust down your door. Mm-hmm. But yes, but I think I think it's still. I would definitely want to see more specs about it. Like, um, because the the article they didn't go into much detail about like when it'll come out and a lot of the specs. But I'm definitely something. Um, I'm curious. And one thing that did stick out to me, though, is that um, he's 71. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's not him inventing yeah. um, the phone itself. I'm sure he's just funding it. it yeah, I'm sure he's just funding it. But um, mm-hmm. to me, like, I just found that a little bit interesting. Like, you know, it's not like it's never too old to, like, invest into something. You know what I mean? Um, that's something that, like, one, just, like, investing and getting involved in different, like, uh, fields and 
um, profession. That's something obviously what this podcast is about and um, something that I'm really passionate about myself. But just seeing someone, you know, 71 and he's still doing new ventures, you know, to me, I was like, you know, that's cool. It's never too late. It's never too late to try and get involved, to invest in something, to get into some new adventure, new venture, new hobby um, or anything like that. So um, and I think another message is like, hey, yo, he's to be an accountant for the cartel and now he's, you know, investing in tech. So like you could always change your life around. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's like that was my little positive, you know, on peace. I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. Um, I don't know if he has any ties. Um, mm-hmm. back to it still I wouldn't be surprised but um, yeah. like in the meantime like he's still doing um, if he's investing in foldable phones that's cool and like yeah. I know like Galaxy I think uh, Galaxy they're already like looking into that I think like that's just a new wave of like foldable phones mm-hmm. I still don't really like I would have to see one in person because I really don't see like the like what is cool about it like, it's not a flip phone, really, but it's just, like, the screen bends. Like, it sounds cool, but, like, I wonder, in, like, in actuality, is it really convenient? I understand. Uh-huh. You're going to have to buy one to find out, bro. Yeah, man. Exactly. I'd have to just see it. Look at that. You're already, like, a, um, you're already part of their target audience, like, the curious audience. The like, curious audience. Yeah, they got me. They got me. <laughs> they really but got you. For sure. I know... Um. Ah oh, man, what was it? Man, I lost my train of thought. But um, talking about just like new technology, that's just kind of reminded me. Think that just made me think of like VR and like how that's going to be like a new wave. So I guess that's just going to be like the new wave of like tech. You're gonna have VR foldable phones. Um, and like I was actually able to use like some VR technology over the summer when I was in like Nashville for that conference, and it was absolutely nuts. Bloomberg had this like VR mask that that not really VR goggles that you could pretty much use slash see the bloomberg terminal in virtual reality and it was crazy mm-hmm. super crazy and i, I went to like this event the other day and it was based like millennials in entrepreneurship and there was this one young man he spoke about how what he does is he partners he, he partners up with hospitals and he, he creates holograms right so Ooh. the holograms are able to kind of like um have like the patient specs and the patient's details and the doctor is able to use the holograms like as an interactive tool to explain what's going on to the patients or explain what the procedures are going to be. And this other young man, he um, he was very he was fairly young. He graduated from Yale University with his master's, and he went into like um corporational psychology. Mm. So I think when it comes to, like entrepreneurial um like um ventures or the idea of like being too old or being too young, there's no such thing because right now a lot of like people who come out of college. Like some of them who are open up their own businesses have never really worked for anyone. They've interned, they've like, um, they've interned, they've been in school, but they, they haven't been actual employees. Yeah. So if that's stopping you, I think you should just say take the risk. Like one young man, he um he has like a dental, um, nonprofit. Whereas he was going to Columbia and then he dropped out of Columbia Dental School or NYU Dental School, whichever one. And what he did was he went to um, he went to Columbia for a master's in, in nonprofit working, and he opened up his own nonprofit centered around dental. So he goes to different countries. He interacts with different um, dentists from those countries. He helps them like elaborate on like the importance of dental hygiene, dental health, and then he kind of created his whole social network around there. So if you have an idea, if you have an adventure, if you have an adventure, um, regardless of how old you are, how young you are. Um, it's never too late for you to just start. You just kind of just need to just do it, just like Densky and Edom did. Just like, just like do it. And then if you fail, you fail. Well, like, hey, you know, cheers to the next venture. For real, if you try. fail, fail. 
if you're gonna fail, fail hard, and then yeah. just learn from it. You know, fall so forward, bro. yeah, if you're gonna fall, fall forward. You know, always, always move some stuff forward. And I think that's that's amazing, honestly. Like, I would love to. You know, possibly I can get connected with those guys because all those, all those sound really amazing. And um, you know, I'm really for. You know, since I went to the EYL uh, event last week or two weeks ago at this point, um, I'm really just like stoked about, you know, just like starting, starting businesses, entrepreneurship. Like it's it just really like relit a fire just seeing one people of all different ages, people younger than me, older than me, of all different backgrounds, um, of all different ages, you know, just having that entrepreneurial and just like go get it mindset. Um, And that's just something that's really just really lately in my heart, I'm like, yo, I know for sure I can't spend the rest of my life having to work for someone else, right? Right now, in the meantime, it's cool, but, like, I know that my end goal is definitely bringing, like, I want to bring as much value as I can to someone, but I have to do it on my own time. I have to I have to be, um, you know, somewhat self-employed, but yeah. um, for, for sure. That that sounds really, that sounds really cool, though. I like that, that dentistry, um... You know, that, that dentistry idea. That sounds really, really cool. And a fun fact, mutation. Oh, ICN. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. For sure, for sure. Shout out to um, all my Haitians out there. We love you. <laughs> I'm going to be missing out. I'm going to be missing out on some soup jumu this, this winter. I'm not I'm not really happy about it. So I'm going to need to get me uh, somebody. Maybe it's one of our Haitian viewers, right? If you're if you if you're so kind, you can get airmail some subjumu. I'll you know warm it up over here, and I, you know we we could take part in some of those festivities. Or maybe I'll just have my parents do it. Um, but so that's definitely one thing that I missed down in Virginia. We don't have as much Haitian food as we do back in New York. It happens one day. Maybe maybe I can open up like a Haitian spot down here. Exactly. See. If there's something missing in the market, you just got to put it in. You just got to put it in, right? So, definitely. Weird. I'll go find some other Haitians. <laughs> Unite them. <laughs> All right. Haitians in. Yeah, I mean, Haitians are everywhere. So, we'll find. We'll find some. Um, but for sure, man, I think that that covers uh, all the topics that we want to talk to you about today. Again, Carmine, thank you very much for coming on to this, this week's episode, this late. Um, you know... We look forward to everything that you're gonna do in your life. I look forward to seeing seeing you grow and seeing you succeed. Um, whenever on the presidential ballot, just let me know. You got my <laughs> vote. Like <laughs> you gotta put. We used to talk about this the other day. You gotta speak into existence, right? Okay, so, the day they change these laws about people being like, if you're born outside of America, you can't be president. I'm in. Like the, the oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> But hey, she's still gonna be president of the United States. I don't care what you say. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll she's, 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 yeah, she's there. Hey, through my experience of campaigning, I'll help you get elected. <laughs> All right, I'll help you get there. Uh, Edom, uh, I hope you're healing up well. Um, I know that you're starting to walk, and um, you're saying you're doing light jogs and everything. So I'm happy that you're healing up well on your ACL. Um, just want to give big shout outs to the people at EYL. Their conference was amazing. I met a lot of, lot of people. Um, hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, well, definitely we're going to get some of those people on this podcast in the next couple of episodes. Um, and just thank you again to EYL. If you guys don't know, Earn Your Leisure, they have these about monthly, they do these workshops around the United States. So definitely get yourself plugged. Amazing podcast, amazing people that they interview on there. 
our YouTube page is now live. I'm still working on adding all those videos up from our previous episodes, but those will be up in the next couple of days. Um, continue to follow us on all our platforms on Instagram at everybody underscore eats podcast. That's where we post videos, links, all that good stuff. Um, as well as just make sure you're following us on our platforms of Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, share with your spr- share with your friends, share the love. Everybody eats, cooking up ideas, and giving food for thought. See you guys next week. Peace.